Welcome to the Healing Trauma as a Christian Mama podcast. We are your trauma mamas. My name is Danielle Elizabeth. And my name is Kelsey. And here we want to be a safe space to look at what it's like to be a Christian woman healing trauma. We want to integrate our Christian faith with psychology and trauma modalities while giving you tools and skills to support your growth and healing. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to this little mini series that we're doing on the impacts or the after effects of trauma. So we've looked at the neurobiological and physical effects. We've looked at the psychological effects. And now today we want to look at the emotional and relational effects, which is probably where a lot of people... (laughs) land in the sense maybe of like I mean we all have these all these kinds of effects like we all probably have like neuro neurobiological effects but we don't see it as much the emotional relational effects like they seem more noticeable or more in your face maybe I guess like um I don't want to say like common because they're we all experience all of them in different capacities. Um, But the reason we talk about the emotional and the relational together is because they're super intertwined. They're very connected and all mingled together. Um, And like, so like damage in one area can result in damage in another, but the hopeful message also is that growth in one area can bring growth in both. You think about like a relationship, there's so much like of our, like there's so much emotional components to a relationship, whether even it's friendship, romantic relationships and everything. Like they're just like, you can't really get away from the emotional part (laughs) in, in relationship. Right. So that it makes sense why they're so intertwined. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, even um, one of the things that we learned about, and this is an interesting thing to like kind of talk about right now, is like it says, so damage to emotional expression affects relational success. So the inability to form healthy relationships affects emotional interpretation of ourselves. So it's kind of like why we have to, and why we, why a lot of people do look at these together. Mm-hmm. So let's just, yeah, like get into it. So we'll talk about some of the emotional after effects of trauma. Yeah. So there's something called learned helplessness. Um, I've actually, I know a lot of people who struggle with this. Do you, do you know a lot about it? Um, I, I, I don't really, I just remember the story that she told about the baby elephant and how like that made, it made more sense. Do, do you, do you recall the example that she well, gave? Sort of, but do you remember the story? Could you like share it? Yeah. Um, it's basically where they have a baby elephant and they like, they tied, tied the leg to like a pole or whatever. And the baby elephant was like, obviously not able to get away. Um, and so it was just, it learned helplessness it learned that it needed to stay there and that it needed to rely on you know the caregivers or whatever and then eventually after a certain amount of time they take the rope off the baby elephant and um 
it just learned that it couldn't go out and venture on its own basically because right. it just was stuck in that in that spot for for so long and it just learned that okay well this is how my life's going to be and yeah and grow out of that um obviously it's just learning that it just it's just learning that we're helpless um which is yes i guess that's very common for especially being groomed or in, in abusive relationships or the childhood trauma part of it. Um, so I don't know if I explained that quite right. Yeah, or, no, I'm so well, glad you remembered that story. I kind of forgot that story and I'm like, that's such a good, I find, I don't know why I find metaphors just really help like people myself very much included, um, like really understand things. Cause sometimes it's like, you can be like, well, they learned that they didn't have any like power growing up or whatever, but it's like, sometimes it's like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and you really can see how when you add the caregiver piece, like, and it's like, you're, someone's a child when they're learning these things, it's like, they don't know any different, right? Like they don't know. Um, so if you grew up even in a, I've seen, and this is like, I, something I see like it's kind of just flies under the radar because it's not like abuse or anything but it's like just to learn that victim mentality like when you when you've grown up with you know a parent figure who has a really big victim mentality it's like you just learn that because you just don't know any different and like when the primary people in your life who are teaching you about how life works have whatever mentality that's just what you're gonna learn right like and it's just kind of, yeah, it's, 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 it's very powerful. I, this is where I get as a mom. I'm just like, wow, our childhood and our upbringing me, like it matters so much. It impacted us so much. And I look back at my childhood and I try and make sense of all this stuff. But then at the very same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm raising these kids and they are having a childhood right now. And all the things that I'm teaching them or all the things that I'm doing, or even just like all my unhealed parts that kind of bleed all over them. Like, it's just like, it, it's like, I'm, I just feel like as a mom, we're like in the middle here, like looking back and looking, you know, forward or down a generation. And it's just like, sometimes it's just like, oh man, this is like a hard place to be. Yes. It's, it's really quite heavy, but I think, and I think that's the point why we're doing this is to educate and to let people know that it can change and you can, yeah. You're never going to do everything perfectly ever. It's like, that's just life. And that's just the fallen world we live in and all that, but it can bring a lot of hope just being like, okay, like I see this and now I'm going to, I'm going to try to change this little thing or this little thing. And like the little yes. things, they add up to big things too. And like, that's the hope that I like, like about yeah. it. I mean, it's just, it's just interesting, but you're right. Being a mom, like, I don't know, just like for an example, the other day, the other, my kids were just trying to serve themselves some dinner and they're like, well, will you do it for me? I'm like, no, you go ahead and do it. Like you can do this. Like, you know, but yeah. before, you know, you just go over there and just do it for them. I mean, it's just something simple. Like when they're little, little, you just do it for them because they really yeah. don't have the capacity to do it. But as they grow, you're like, okay, you can do this. You can serve yourself. And I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's just interesting. It's true. You kind of forget or like, or sometimes you're just not even, you don't even have the capacity to like teach them. So it's like, you can create this. Just, I'm just like, just uh, thinking about the learned helplessness thing too. It's like you sometimes just you don't have the capacity to like 
teach them something or it's just easier for you to do it. And then mm-hmm. you realize like, and then these are all in like small ways, but it's just like, you realize that like, oh man, you're this age and maybe you could do some, like, maybe you could do this, but like, I did not have the capacity or energy or whatnot to like teach it to you. Um, yeah. So some other emotional after effects. So a big one, emotional dysregulation, which really ties into also like our nervous system and stuff too. So it's kind of interesting on some of these, like, even though they would be on an emo- the emotional side of things, they also connect to like a physical side of things or, you know, a psychological side of things. Um, yeah, low emotional intelligence. Um, I feel like we were raised by generations above us with very low emotional intelligence. And so, um, it's like an, and a low emotional, like tolerance either. Right. Like they just, I feel like that the generation above us and the one above us, so like our parents and then our grandparents ages, I just feel like, um, emotions were like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They were just like, um, an inconvenience, mm-hmm. right? Like it was like, we got, they got in the way or they caused more of a disruption and or made us look bad or like you know like and so I just feel like there was like a low tolerance for emotions for our age group as kids so that makes our kids emotions very triggering yeah definitely oh gosh yes (laughs) (laughs) I like how you like you're like yes well oh yes (laughs) because I I mean this is like we've been watching Little House on the Prairie and we just watched an episode where a mom was like she knew she was she was dying and so she basically had to tell her children and she needed to find you know whatever but the oldest child started crying and she's like she just shut him down and was like no you are not going to be emotional about this and I understood in a way like that she was like okay we have to be strong we have to band together and we got to figure out the plan you know but she also just didn't allow him to like have those emotions because yeah. it was just, it was just interesting to me and watching it from a tra- trauma trained perspective. Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, that's- oh, I know. I feel like every show yeah. is like ruined for me. Everything I watch, I'm like, Oh, that was so invalidating. Oh, why yeah. would you do that? <laughs> yeah. oh, gosh. But I understood like the hardship of their lives back then too. It was just like, you know, you don't really have the time or the capacity to like figure that out because they really needed to figure out the plan, which is obviously yeah, generational type thing. And it's, yeah, it's really, yeah, I remember even talking to someone I was on doing some mission stuff and I was talking to someone about people in like third world countries. And I was like, why do we have so much mental health stuff here? And like, is that not prevalent here? Like, I just like, was like trying to like figure it out. Cause I was like, they were like, yeah, but like, their problems are so like life and survival and like it just they just don't have the capacity it's it's not that it's not there it's just like they don't even in in, it kind of led to an interesting conversation about even like resources and stuff and like it's not like a lot of people in third world countries just like could just have access to medication and all of that and all of the stuff that we have here to like support 
our mental health but it was interesting because she's like it's like when that and you think of like just like the hierarchy of needs and stuff right it's like our basic human needs of shelter and food and water it's like if you don't have that you can't go to the next level of being like I have psychological needs or I have like these unmet emotional needs it's like you don't even get there so it is interesting um and I'm I would say a, like when those things are stressful even in our lives here in like North America like you know like when you don't have somewhere to live or you don't have these like basic needs it's like those though the other stuff that we're talking about um it's like you just don't have the capacity to be able to like go there I don't even know how I got that's so off topic I don't even no, that's know good. how like, that's good. there sometimes, but <laughs> sometimes I feel like that's where like too much knowledge can like be detrimental though like you know what I mean yeah. like I, I I love that we can learn and we're learning new things all the time but sometimes it's like well I, I know too much and now it's like you tie everything to everything it's just it's just yeah. to me I know um, so <laughs> anyways yeah. Let's, we're gonna both get ourselves back on because we could just go <laughs> yeah. okay so other so other emotional after effects of trauma so like distress intolerance um which also can lead to conflict avoidance, but it's interesting because there's a whole therapy like DBT, which is called dialectical behavioral therapy. And one of the biggest pieces of that therapy is called um, distress tolerance. So that like helping you learn how to tolerate distressful emotions. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of really awesome, great, like it's actually a lot of it nowadays is a lot of like, just little coping skills or like stress management strategies that we would all know. We just don't really realize that it's like they could like even like actually cold water exposure is a big one because you want to like, and I was talking to a friend about it because she's done a lot of it. I was talking to her this weekend about it. And she's like, a lot of times it's about interrupting the mm-hmm. distressful moment. Right. So like that cold water or the, um, like just smelling something like an essential oil. It's like, you just want to interrupt that thought process that's happening in the emotional brain um because you can't think your way out of a lot of like that um like the the distress Mm -hmm. and so that's another one um yeah lack of ability to trust and impaired ability to seek and trust happiness so you can kind of see how um the relational piece gets pulled into this too right the last ones are really interesting. So lack of ability to self-soothe. Um, and that kind of leads to that emotional dysregulation, but then the in- inability to like calm yourself down. Um, so this is when we haven't gotten into the nervous system stuff, but this is an interesting one that we can also tie back to when we do, because um, so it's like maladaptive submissiveness, kind of like akin to fawning. And so fawn is kind of one of the nervous system or trauma response um, states that isn't talked about as much. Like there's the flight, fight, flight, freeze. And then fawn is another one that we, we will get into in that episode when we do talk about it. Um, but that is an emotional after effect because you think about it like fawning is kind of like that people pleasing codependency like I don't want to rock the boat I'm just going to be 
um, like kind of um, not submissive, but like I want to appease you so you don't. So I stay safe. Like it's all about like, you know, like so think about like a, a parent who just like gets really dysregulated and loses their marbles all the time a child will learn like I'm going to fawn not like that they consciously think of this but I'm going to you know people please you or parent please so that you stay calm which equals me staying safe and then one of the other the last biggest one and we're going to do a whole episode on this so we won't stay on this too long but just like pervasive shame like that toxic shame um is a huge huge after effect of trauma from the of an emotional perspective yeah it's interesting these um these these after effects really like feed or fuel an adult's desire to like kind of isolate or disconnect from like themselves and really the world and like relationships around them like mm-hmm. um because they don't really have like the emotional skills to relate. And then you, this is where you see so many like dysfunctional, destructive relationships, right? Because you look at, I mean, like the word narcissist is thrown around really, really like, um, just like, what's yeah, it's no, it's just out there. Like it it seems like everybody can be labeled narcissistic. Yeah. (laughs) And, and (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I like live in a world of toxic relationships. So like, I understand it because Mm -hmm. the thing is we all have narcissistic tendencies. Like we all have the ability to be destructive and dysfunctional. Right. Um, But it's interesting because like, so for someone who has, and we haven't really gotten onto, into attachment yet, but like people who have like attachment trauma and are like kind of that avoidant dismissive attachment style they have learned like there are the the emotional after effects that they've had from their trauma is to turn off their attachment needs like it was too unsafe for them to have any type of emotional needs as a child and so think about that like 20 years of doing that now you really do probably lack empathy and the ability to relate to each other and but we are designed for connection and that's how God created us. So it's like that pull is still there, but it's like, but I don't know how to act healthy in that relationship because like the impact that my trauma has had on me has caused me to now live in these patterns, right? Like, like I have this, I have the, all of these things that we're talking about. It's like, you know, the more you do them, or act in that, like the more you have create the neural pathways for your brain to operate like that. Like it all kind of like, it all goes together. Like your, your body, your brain, your soul, like your spirit, like it all kind of like has such an impact on not only like how it impacts you from what happened in your experience and in your past, but also how then you relate now in the world, emotionally and relationally. Yes. And I, I guess I'll just throw in like, you know, I, I, I'm a believer and I became a believer at, at a young adult age, but like, that was like a piece that was really hard for me to like the relationship with God or with Jesus, because mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. have like healthy relationships in my life. So then I'm like, and then, you know, and then that's kind of when some people are like, well, it's, he's, he's like your dad. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, how God, they say that those types of yeah, things, yeah. God's your dad, and you have this really good relationship with Jesus. And I know that you have to build that. Like, I get that. But like, when you don't 
know how to do that. Yeah. That throws a wrench. I feel like it's the spiritual part of it. Um, sure. I don't know if I'm in. I'm, I'm no, it does. And, right? and I remember me and you talking about this and I've talked about this, like, and I remember talking about this in like therapy myself, but it's like a lot of us, especially because it's like the father figure. And like, we look at God as a father figure. It's like, it's very hard for us to disconnect those two things. Like, so if we didn't have, and none of us had a perfect dad, but there's a lot of us, like a lot of people who have had very imperfect dads and then dads that were like, you know, doing their best, but obviously made mistakes and stuff. So it's like, we all don't, like, we all don't come into even that concept the same, right? Right. So some people come in and they're like, I had an abusive dad. So you just telling me that God is a good father Like, I mean, we want that to be enough. Like we want that to just be like, you know, someone can just accept that and it's great, but it's, it's not that simple. Like, you know, you really do have to look at like what I was just talking to, like one of my coaching clients about this, because we were just talking about this exact concept. And it was just like, you have to look at like, what do you look at as like a father? Like what, what, what are the relational aspects to that? What are like all of that? And do you translate that over to a relationship with God? And a lot of us do like, you know, if your dad never showed up for you, it's not enough in my opinion to just be like, well, God's always going to show up for you. But it's like, yes, I could cognitively understand that. Mm -hmm. Like I could cognitively understand that that's what you mean by that. But I have all of these like emotional impacts and relationship impacts that a person here on earth did and like taught me how these relationships work. And so as much as I want to just believe that, you know, God is good and he's just going to show up, it's like experience has taught me otherwise. And that actually plays into our like um, even expectation and understanding of God. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly it. And, and, you know, and it doesn't even necessarily even just have to be the father relationship. It's just like relationships too. I mean, I understand what you're saying as well, because that's, it's very, very true, but if you didn't, if you didn't have any healthy relationships, of course, that's going to be even skewed more. And we, yeah. like I said, we can cognitively, cognitively see it, hear it, see it, yeah. and read it in his word. And we can truly believe it as well. It's just going to take some shifting in our healing to, to see that it can, that it's real and it can, you know, be a healthy relationship (laughs) because obviously God is, God is God and he is good and all that. Um, it's, it's obviously on our end because we know the truth about who God is. It's it's us that have to do the, the shit. It is. And, and it, and it, it's hard because it's like, especially if things happen to your people in this world, human beings in this world have taught you that people are unsafe or or relationships are unsafe or caregivers are unsafe or all of these things. Like, I feel like it's just, it's, it's important to validate that being a struggle. Like, I just feel like it's, there's a lot of Christianity that comes down on that just to be like, you know, just accept that he's good and accept that. And it's like, well, yeah, I do. But I also have these like, reservations yeah these reservations and these like these pulls that are like enlisting fear and shame and worry and anxiety and all of this stuff about even my relationship with God because 
I've had all these things, you know, teach me otherwise. And God's not physically standing in front of me, you know, able to like, you know, showing me a difference in this. And when we get into the attachment stuff, we'll talk about this a little bit more because um, I think that actually God can be such a, I know this, sorry, is such an integral part of even repairing our attachment. Because when we've had people who have ruptured our attachment and caused attachment trauma, um, it's, we need safe relationships to heal that. But I actually do believe that God even comes into that um, like attachment repair as well. So this is a good segue to talking about the relational after effects of trauma. (laughs) Um, so yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest things, and I think I didn't even really understand this until I got into like learning about trauma myself, like on a educational level was this interpersonal trauma piece of things. So like trauma that occurs within personal relationships. Um, because I was always kind of like, I guess before that came like looking at trauma as more of like more of the big T traumas, more of like the events and things like that. Um, but you, I would say, and I think even in the training stuff that we did is that this is actually one of the most important parts of someone's like recovery and healing is the, um, is helping and, and healing the, the relational trauma piece of things. Absolutely. I think that's honestly, in my opinion, it's like one of the most, like you said, the most important key part of it is to create a safe relationship with someone so they can see what a safe relationship looks like, or they can actually see that not all relationships are terrible, but it's the, the tricky part is, is, is finding that person to be able to show, show you, see you, hear you and validate be just you being heard basically. Yeah. And this is where like coaching and therapy and like different like programs and stuff actually can be so helpful because sometimes we don't have a lot of emotionally safe people in our life and it's okay to have to pay someone to be this role for you. Yes. Like, I think both of us have had to do that many times in our life because, and and the other thing is sometimes we do have safe people, but they just don't have the capacity to walk us through every moment of it. Right. And that's where, again, bringing in someone who can literally, yes, you might have to pay them, but they will be there and they will walk every step of the journey with you. Um, and you can have those realistic expectations that they will. Whereas with a friend, sometimes they're like, you know, they'll be there for a while. And then, um, but then something happens, they get busy and then it's like, or you don't want to burden them again. And so then you, you get in your head about it. Right. Whereas when you have that like outside person that you're like, no, this is like, I'm, I'm okay to reach out as much as I need to without even worrying about it, because we have this, like, you know, whatever contract in place that that that's their role in my life. That can be very freeing, um, and give, and give you this, um, 
this safe, like um, this safe, healthy interpersonal relationship that right. you could sort of heal in. And most of the time, these people that you're paying are obviously trained as well, or they at least have yeah, the knowledge. True. So, you know, I mean, a friend may have the knowledge as well, but it's like, they might not quite understand and nobody's going to fully understand your full story situation, whatever, because we all have so many pieces of it all, but it's, yeah, that's it's just, um, that is what coaches, therapists, whatever they're trained to basically do. And, and it's, and it's like incompetence as well. That's another piece because obviously like, yeah. as we learned with the emotional piece, you don't have a lot of trust for people. So you're not, you know, you don't want to just throw everything out there to someone um, yeah. that's not, you know, like you said, in confidence or, yeah. You know, especially when you live in small towns. <laughs> I know both of us live in small towns, so we can really, really understand. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about like, you know, the negative side of what the impacts would be. And then also we can look at some of the positives. So yes. a lot of times people might not have had a lot of good role models as kids for what constitutes a healthy relationship, which is kind of what we also, also both just talked about a little bit, but not only that, they might also not just have not healthy, but they might also um, have learned what toxic relationships are or but not even realizing they're toxic, right? Like you hear this all the time. People who are like, I didn't even know, like it wasn't until I went to like university or I went and had, went to a friend's house and saw their family dynamic to even know that how my family operated wasn't quote unquote normal or healthy. Right. Absolutely. And I think that happens more often than we, than we yeah. Realize. Yeah, for sure. And then Another piece of that is that they're, they've usually had their self-worth like stripped. They don't feel like maybe they even deserve happy relationships um, or that they're like the, the cause of why relationships can't be healthy. Mm -hmm. I think we, we touched on, on the, the trust thing earlier too. Like, so that's like an emotional and a relational like impact of, you know, they struggle to establish trust, but like with themselves and with others, like, I think one of the biggest things I think we really overlook is how much trauma has taught us not to trust ourselves. Like, it's just something yes. I don't feel like it gets talked about enough. I, and I really realized this a lot in coaching that it's like somewhere along the way, the message has been like overtly or subconsciously planted that, you know, you cannot trust your own judgment, your own decisions, your own like path in life, like all of these things. That's a huge one. Um, just the self, because you're always questioning yourself. You're always like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Yeah. And I always, like, I, you know, like some people are like, just tell me what to do. And because you just literally like are at that point where you're like, I don't know what to do. And because yeah. you can't trust one decision. Yeah. But and that's, I think I see this, like, especially like I, I have a really strong tendency to people please. And so I'm like, I remember a few years ago, I was like thinking about doing something like, I don't even remember what it was probably like when I was like thinking about going back to school or something like that. And I was like, kind of came to my decision. I was going to do it. And then I had like 
three people I was talking to, they all said something different. Like one was like, don't go. One was like, yeah, go like part-time. And one was like, you know, go all in. And I, it was the first time I realized like, I don't trust myself to make this decision because I didn't know what to do. Like I was so like, I didn't realize at the time that I was so like worried about upsetting someone as like, like if I didn't go with them, there was going to be some type of like relational fallout or they'd be mad or they would think I don't listen to them or like whatever it was. But it, I was like, I remember my head spinning in circles because I was like, they're all saying something different. I don't know what to do. And it was interesting because what I wanted to do wasn't even on the table. Like it was like, I had these three people's opinions. My opinion wasn't even like a part of the equation anymore. <laughs> like it was just like, um, and it really, yeah. And it really, and I was just talking to someone today. It's like, um, you know, are you able to continue to make a decision that you wanted to make, even if someone is saying that they don't agree with it, but you still agree with it. Like you still believe what you are going to do is like the right thing. But when someone else gives their opinion, that's like opposing, do you trust yourself enough that, you know, you could stand firm in that, or do you get swayed by that? Oof. Yes. And I, I feel like this comes up a lot in parenting, um, especially when you do have, you know, two, two parents in the household, you're just like, do you, you know, does your husband trust you enough to like, take care of your children? And I'm, you know, I have to like, yes, my husband trusts me to take care of my children. So I trust yourself when you're making decisions for your children, when you can't ask anybody else, but it's like, Ugh, it's it's a really yeah, a, that adds another level to it too because it's not just about yourself you know you're having right. like these other beings <laughs> decisions as part of yours and you're like it's just it's it's easier sometimes to be like okay I'll make the decisions about me right but yes. like when you're making it about other people and then I mean like think about all the parenting advice and you know <laughs> yes. judgment yeah. out there it's like you're always gonna find someone who tells you what <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what your style is wrong yeah oh man That's I was gonna like say one whole... thing more about the trusting because it says right here like because I was gonna say like when you think of a lot of people with trust it's like you don't trust anybody but it can be also the opposite where you like yeah. literally trust people too much yeah. or give your trust out too much yeah because um, I've I mean I've seen that both as well like it's not just I don't trust you or it's like I trust you too much Yeah. And this is where I see that too, where someone is being mistreated, like whether it's like emotional, verbal abuse and stuff. And, you know, the, that person comes back and is like, oh, I'm sorry. And it's just like, I'm going to give you that trust right back because you are just a trusting person and you see the best in people. And it's like, you know, those are good qualities, but there are people who take advantage of that too. Right. So people will take advantage of the fact. And that actually leads to like one of the biggest, one of the relational, um, like one of the relationship impacts is relationship dysfunction that can lead to codependence. And we'll do a whole thing on codependency because that's just like something I've like been recovering from for years now. But this is a big piece of it is allowing whatever behavior to happen and then just trusting the person when they say they're not going to do something again or trust the person when they're like i've changed or i've i'm this i'm i'm doing this like whatever and just giving that trust you know 100% back rather than like 
seeing that they are going to like, you know, change by their behavior. Um, and so actually, I would say, honestly, that's probably one of my relational impacts of trauma is like not wanting to wait until like wanting to just trust a person by their words, but then being so like disappointed and let down when their actions don't meet those are like, that's a huge thing for me now is like being able to see people for like the behavior that they do versus just like the words that they'll be able to give me. Well, and there's always that saying actions speak louder than words, but it's really hard for like, I like what you're saying for a trauma survivor where you're like, well, but but I want to, I just want to trust them. I want it. Cause yeah. I want this, like, you know, yeah. And just give me this and moment in between yeah. when I don't realize that their actions are not lining up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's really hard because I no. do think it's, I think it is a gift that the Lord does give people too to like give people more chances than just the one, yeah. you know, because yeah. like, because we're all going to mess up, but it's like in these chronic yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a pattern, right? Like yeah, in the patternness of it, right? Like that is the the kicker. Cause it's like, yeah, you can't, if you looked at, if you just had like, well, no one can mess up or no one can lie or no, like we all do these like yeah. stupid things and, you know, um, but it's the, it's the pattern of it and, um, and the well, chronicness of it. And the thing of putting up the boundary with someone, because you're like, okay, I'm going to, wait and have their actions line up with their words yeah that boundary isn't just for like it's it's for us and it's for them but it's still going to take some work on our end because like you said it's like a hard thing to just not cross your own boundary you know yeah Um, oh man so yeah we will like you said we'll go on that that tangent sometime but it's it's just really interesting because when you put up something a boundary it's like this is more work for me than it is for them. Like this is so I say that all the time. I'm like, (laughs) having boundaries is exhausting. Like when you have people like having boundaries in just normal relationships, that's, that's one thing, but having boundaries with like unhealthy people is exhausting because they just want to push them all the time. And so you're just exhausted. Like, you know, having to keep, if you're going to keep that person in your life, like it's just, it's, it's just this constant, like, nope, here's the fence. Here yeah. is the fence. Like, can you, you see the fence? <laughs> are you blind? Who I'm not sure. There? Why are you climbing over it? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, we'll definitely um, add boundaries to our list of things to talk about. Cause that's a big one. Yes. Um, some more stuff that, that people will struggle with relationally. So sometimes people will like also adopt the, like the worldview, it's kind of like that learned helplessness, but from like, so if you grew up in a toxic family, you will adopt a lot of the mentalities, the worldviews, the thinking, um, like the black and white thinking, even that, that your family or the people that raised you like had, right. So like you might like have these beliefs about relationships that actually aren't healthy or good, but you don't even maybe even realize you have them because they're so like normal and like part of your thought process, right? Like if let's say, let's use, give an example. If you think about like, let's say you're raised by a mom who had been hurt by like, you know, 20 different men and hates men now. And so you grew up, you know, being raised to be a strong, independent woman. And that's great. But you don't realize that like that was rooted in this like kind of hatred for men. And so then now you have relationships with, 
in your relationships as an adult, you struggle to like, you know, let um, a man like, you know, even help you in a relationship. Like you, you, you develop even that hyper independence, but also just like, there's this like um, worldview about like relationship roles or even stuff like that. And you don't really, it's, those are hard to pinpoint. Like what exactly is that? You're just like, is, is it the, all the people I get into relationships with, with, or is it me, which is a very hard question for so many of us. Cause then we have to be like, am I like, is my mentality about something part of this problem? Right. Uh, black and white thinking is that one gets me <laughs> just cause yeah, it's like all, it's like an all well, in or nothing thing too. So yeah and and it's got that rigidity to it too right so it's like the more overwhelmed and stressed we get the more we like get drawn to the black and white thinking more than like when we're in kind of a a really good headspace like you can be more flexible and so sometimes it's like that's why these these things are hard to pinpoint because we don't we're not always like this right like we don't always think black in that black and white thinking because when we're you know regulated and we're in healthy we're like maybe in a healthy relationship we can be more flexible you know then like a global pandemic hits and everyone's like you know reverting back to all of these like these rigid ways and actually you see that in a lot of the responses to like how the like the thing is have happened in the pandemic like you see there's people who just really are like nope the government said to do this we have to do this like and it's just like there's no real thought like I'm not even gonna ask why it's just like this is how this is I have to like I have to respond like this this is just like what like what I have to do um and it's yeah it's really it is really interesting yeah we could go all on uh, on that too. yeah I know just, I'm like I should not have maybe I should have asking, I just, of worms. <laughs> just be just to ask questions it's like okay but like yet like, is it okay to ask questions? Cause maybe how you're raised, you weren't, weren't allowed to ask questions and you were just supposed to follow suit and like, exactly. just, so yeah. But then once you kind of get out of that mentality, then it's like, well, yeah. How far do you take that too? So, yeah, I think it let's, let's end this episode with some actual positive yeah. things, like what we can do to um, for like, there's different types of relationships, like we mentioned, right? So there's the relationship with ourselves. One of the biggest healing parts that we need to do and that's on us is to like repair the trust self-worth and self-judgment for ourselves i think that's like at a very 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 important piece of our healing process and i know we did talk once at one of our first episodes of talking about you know the dangers of the trauma world and like the, um, you know, self-love and, you know, it's all about you and stuff, but there is a very important element of like repairing that trust with ourselves and our self-worth and, you know, having compassion for ourselves on this healing journey. Um, that's still so, so necessary. I, I agree with that. And I know sometimes the word self can get really like, triggering I'd say for believers or whatever because you don't want to be self-focused but there is a sense of like you're saying to just be able to trust yourself or to have the you know the self-compassion um in in a sense of just being comfortable with who you are too you know um so I but like as a believer it's kind of like 
our identity is in God and like the grace we can give ourselves is actually like, you know, the grace that God gives us. And it, so it can be so intertwined. It doesn't have to get so like, you know, self-focused and it's all about you and you are the hero of your own story, but it's right. like, it's like, you still have to show up for yourself too. And that's, you know, God works in that. And like, I always love to like, I, I love reparenting and I always love reparenting as like, you know, me and God reparenting, like, you know, myself and my like little inner child and stuff. And so it's like, you know, yes, God is such an integral part of that, but so am I. And I think where the world goes is the world's just like, it's just, just you, right? Like you're showing up to save your inner child. And, and we want to like, you know, as believers bring God into all of these concepts and all of these things, but it doesn't mean that we get to just also like, you know, because if you take us out of it completely, then we're just kind of, what are we doing? Laying there and being like, okay, God, you, you come in and just like, you know, fix all this stuff and do all this stuff. And I don't, you know, I can't, and, and you see, I don't, I don't know if I see this a lot, but it's just like, you can get to that part, part, like Christians can get to that point too, of like, oh, it's about me. I can't be anything focused about me. It's all about him. And it's like, well, he still needs you there. <laughs> like you're still, you're so it's part a of relationship, it. right? Because that's yeah. what we're talking about. It's a relationship and we have to, we have to show up for the relationship and he's always there. Obviously we know that he's always there, but we have to show up too. And yeah. That's such a good point. That is such a good point. Um, and, and sometimes when you have, so with your family, this is where it gets real tricky. So like, sometimes you do have to like either limit contact, you have to go no contact. You might, you very much so have to have like boundaries and stuff like that. Um, and this is, I feel like a hard one because you're, you're, you're still, so you can get so sucked into the, their worldview, or you can get sucked into like, even I see a lot of families, they have a lot of like group thinking mentality, right? So it's like no one deviates. So when you start to deviate, you are like the scapegoat. And we're, we'll talk more about that when we talk about shame, because shame is usually what's driving a lot of these family systems. But um, sometimes, you know, it actually is healthier for you to create that space and that distance. Like I know, yeah, it's hard because there's so many, like, you know, blood's thicker than water and all these, like, you know, but she's your mom, but she's this, but they're this, like, you know, like, and so there's so much shame and guilt like around it. But like, I think we're definitely in a generation now that's starting to realize that like family is like important but not at the detriment of who you are as a person and not at the, at, not at the, like, keep them in your life every day, speaking into every area of your life when they are unsafe, damaging, toxic people. Right. And I was just going to say, like, usually the ones that are the quote unquote scapegoats, like they're usually the ones that are like breaking the cycle too later yeah. on. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's exactly. the, that's the healthy part that can come out of it. And, um, hopefully create more healthy relationships. So, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like other relationships within like friends, our kids work, like, I mean, we have relationships absolutely everywhere. Right. Um, boundaries is a huge one. Um, trust is a huge one. I mean, we touched a little bit on both of those. 
one thing, and I talk about this all the time now with people, because I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I think I talk about it because it's not something that's hugely talked about right now, but just the concept of like safe versus unsafe people. Like there are, because when we think safe, like I think like my first thought is like, is there a bear beside me? Like, am I physically safe right now? Right. And we don't really like realize what emotional safety is. And then I, as a parent, I really had to like recognize and over the last years that like, I am not an emotionally safe person for my kids sometimes, especially when I'm dysregulated, when I'm overwhelmed and burnt out and stressed, like I actually am not an emotionally safe person for my kids. And that is like, that was a heartbreaking realization for me, but also the awareness of that is just like, you know, the only way I can change that. But it's like, people are going to let us down. That's like a no, like, you know, and people are going to mess up. And that's not what we're talking about. I think it goes back to kind of that pattern. Is someone consistently emotionally unsafe? Are you able to express how you feel to them without like backlash or being punished for it? Or, you know, like, and the problem is when we've experienced trauma, we can get drawn to unsafe people especially if we were raised by unsafe people, it's like we um, unconsciously get drawn to something that's normal. Or I was listening to something too about, and, and a lot of people talk about this too, is that we actually get drawn to the chaos, right? So like the chaos within relationships, but even on a physical level, it's like, when, when, when their chaos is happening in a relationship, all the adrenaline, the cortisol, all of that stuff is going, and we can become addicted to that core, like to those responses. This is all such as on such an unconscious level, but like we get drawn to that. So then this is the kicker. We have, we find safe relationships and they seem boring, dull. Like, we're just like, I'm embarrassed by this. Like, I, I don't want to like be like, I don't, I I've had relationships like in my, uh, in my teenage years, like people who were like, now I look back, I'm like, they were probably such a healthy person. And I was like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yep. I can, I understand that, especially like, or even just I don't know. I didn't have a lot of relationships as far as like romantic relationships, but you know, when you had like crushes on boys or something, you're like, you tend to lean this way or not. These guys are dorks over here. And these guys, yeah. are so, uh, so it's just, it's just interesting. I, I don't mean to joke about it. Cause I know that's very serious for some people, but, um, it's just, I'm just laugh about my decisions as a, yeah. as a at some point. Um, Even no, it's, such, it's such an effect of, any type of trauma and you have to remember especially when we're talking about the emotional and the relational pieces of trauma this is not going to be a lot as much of like you know the big t traumas of like a car accident or a like a right. a, a natural disaster it's all, all the interpersonal relationships right being raised by toxic people emotional or emotional um or verbal abuse growing up being shamed just honestly being not seen and heard and validated as a child not people even being able to like express your emotions like these are 
why we have a generation who people please and don't know how to set boundaries. And, and I don't say that judgmentally. I am like, that is me. So I, I know the struggle of, you know, just even being misunderstood by people is so hard for me. Um, and so, but, but it's those things that cause all of the kind of impacts that we talked about on today's episode. There's hope though. We have to remember it that. It is, I know. I'm like, okay, we should usually try. Like, we're not going to let them we will not hope. End on that. <laughs> the thing <laughs> is, there are, there are safe people out there. And yes. sometimes you have to hire them because like you don't have those people just in your regular life. And there is no shame in that. No. Um, and then just to like add a little bit extra level of hope there too, that Jesus can be the, Jesus is literally in some people's lives, the only safe relationship we have. Like I have this, um, this jar, I won't show it to you because we're on a podcast. So <laughs> but it's a jar and it's got sand in it. And I got these little rocks and I, every time I, cause this is how many, uns, like I did not have say, a lot of emotionally safe people in my life. And, um, and I would write their name on it and put that in like their name in that in my little jar thing and I swear there was a period of time where I think Jesus was probably like the only name in there like not to say I had didn't have good people in my life but it was like this is the one like I'm like you don't you don't get a name on your rock lightly like you have to like it's not just like you know like you have to be part of my life and and being a safe person on a consistent basis um and so it's not even about acquaintances or just friends like this is like like, you know people like in 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 my life but yeah like and the cool thing about the Jesus piece is if you can work on your issues of whatever would be like disconnecting you from him he will show up as that safe relationship like time and time and time and time and time again and will legitimately never let you down and there's just so much hope in that Mm -hmm. so it's like you know you might be sitting there listening being like I literally am surrounded by dysfunctional toxic people and so we are just ending this to say we know we believe you, you probably are because there is so many broken people in this world. So you might not have people who are literally able to show up for you and just like, even just be a safe person. And the exciting and hopeful thing is that Jesus can be and will be. Yep. A hundred percent agree with that. And, you know, obviously we, we do this podcast to educate and whatnot, but I know that you, for instance, have an amazing coaching practice. And if you need to reach out to Danielle, I mean, you can, she can be a safe place for you. I can be a safe place for you. It's, it's just one of those things that that's where our passion is, I think. And that, you yeah. know, so I just thought, I know it. if I could just, I don't know how to market that, but like safe person would be, <laughs> if I could just be that for people that is literally like my life goal now, I think, because I don't, this is what I've also realized from my own coaching practice is that people don't realize how much they need a safe space to land until they have it all of a sudden. And then they're just like, oh my gosh, I can breathe. Oh my gosh. I can like, I can actually process things. I didn't realize how protective because when you don't have anywhere safe, you have to be in protective survival mode all the time. 
which is exhausting. Right. And so, yeah. I was right, just going to say that with you guys today and we will be back next week with some, uh, new topics. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We always leave it on the same note, asking you this very important question. Do you have the support you need in your healing process? If the answer is no, reach out to anyone, including us, because it is a lie that you need to stay stuck. Healing is available and possible for you. Have a great week.